1: Hey, this thing on? This thing work? Hello, Steve. You there? I, I am. Are you? <laughs> I'm here, man. We are back. Back from Dougie's. Back from vacation.
2: Vacation. What's going I, on? I need another vacation. I'm whipped.
1: <laughs> I, I don't know about too, you, man. I've been flying for about three days, <laughs> I think. But uh, that's.
2: Hey, did anything happen while we were gone? Uh, I don't think so. I think we can end the podcast now.
1: <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> Because we've got a ton to talk about. My goodness, when you try to go away for a week and, and then the world falls apart. Oui, oui. We've got lots to talk about. Yes, indeed. We, oui, we, oui. uh, save who play and all that. The Rays, uh, of course, today, and as a matter of fact, will explain their desire to explore playing half their games in Montreal. What's behind this proposal? We'll give you our thoughts on the Rays becoming the Canadian Snowbirds. And the Rays were swept by the Yankees on the field They split their series in Oakland. Their road trip resumes in Minnesota tonight with Blake Snell. What happened to him, by the way? Last time he was on the bump, he had, what, one-third inning, six-run blowout performance against the Yankees. He's going to have to rebound from that. Let's see what else went down. The Bolts traded J.T. Miller, so he ends his lightning career with an 18-game scoreless streak. But that got a lot of news, of course. And then they had a draft. They got some new players while we were gone in their prospect camp. Begins today, as a matter of fact, in Brandon. And I watched the U.S. Women's World Cup team advance yesterday with a nervy 2-1 to win over Spain on two penalty kicks by Megan Rapinoe. Uh, that was interesting. A lot of fun there. We've got all that. My comments about some of your comments on Gerald McCoy's appearance on Fox on this catch-up from vacation edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, do you want to be a millionaire? Well, for 30 years, Howard and Sue Million have brought the cool comfort of air conditioning to the entire Tampa Bay area, making thousands of residents millionaires with their quality products and service. Now, Millionaire is currently offering 0% interest for 72 months on qualifying equipment. Give these people a call at 727-862-2100 to take advantage of this great offer on a brand-new quality train air conditioning unit or... To schedule service or maintenance, call 727-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort. Millionaire. Okay, Steve, I don't know what time zone this is. I don't know what day this is. <laughs> I, I left on a Saturday in Hawaii. I got back late Sunday evening. Um, I'm six hours behind or ahead or however you want to say that. So I'm going to try to gut through this. Well, man, I, I was oh, in man.
2: Western Canada and Seattle as well. So I was yeah, up for the were, N- NHL draft in Vancouver on
1: mm-hmm. Friday and
2: Saturday. So I had the same... Uh, flight and time Jet zone light. changes back yeah
1: yeah it's it's a, it's a long way to go but it was good to get away hey our thanks to uh to dave wills to clyde christensen uh, to diana neros uh, we had of course uh, even though we were on vacation i hope you enjoyed those interviews and those podcasts while we were away i thought they were all were all great interviews um and uh, a lot of information there uh, of course it was fun going to dave's dugout me and you hung out there one evening <laughs> it was Quite the experience, Dave. Dave's just a great storyteller, and of course, very uh, insightful about the Rays. And um, and then and then, you know, Clyde Christianson, who had had a chance to listen to him, um, really gave some insights uh, to what it was like joining Tony Dungy's staff back in '96. He's seen this thing turn around and go from worst to first before. He knows what it takes. He's also been around some pretty good quarterbacks. A guy named Peyton Manning, for example. Uh, and he talked about, uh, you know, Jameis Winston in a way I've not heard many coaches speak about him, uh, um, you know, both on the field and off, uh, just a fresh pair of eyes from Clyde Christensen, uh, who is, uh, you know, very faith-based guy, um, all pro dads and all that sort of thing. And, and just, uh, you know, has, has a different feel maybe for for Jameis than, than people that have been around him for the last four or five years. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to those podcasts, along with Diana Nero's talking about you know the Lightning's off season. Uh, one of the things we mentioned as a possibility was JT Miller. Of course, they're trying to clear some salary cap room. They did that uh, by trading him, so um, that's
2: maybe the first of many steps, I guess, this off season. Yeah, and what a good deal Julian Breezeball pulled off. So he clears five and a half or five and a quarter million dollars of salary cap for the next four years. Does not have to retain any of the salary. Gets back mm. a third round draft pick this year and a first round draft pick either next year or the year after, depending on if Vancouver makes the playoffs or not. Crazy, yeah, crazy good deal to get a first rounder involved with all that, and uh, just the salary cap
1: alone is going to help them. And of course, Miller uh, was a good player for the Lightning. Didn't mm-hmm. score down the stretch of, of his his games here, but um, was somebody that they certainly, uh, I thought, you know, took full advantage of. And, and um, well, and so, this yeah, wasn't it, a knock
2: on JT Miller at all. I mean, this is no, this is about seeing where your salary cap is, knowing you still got to sign Braden Point, and you got to you still you're probably short a defenseman or two on this team as well. So you've got to clear Mm -hmm. some salary cap space. You've got to trade something to get something, and 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 one of the assets they got back was salary cap relief. You know, if you look at what Toronto had to do, they traded Patrick Marlowe to the Hurricanes, and they had to give up a number one pick to do that to clear that cap space. Now, J T. Miller's a younger player with more upside on his career, where Patrick Marlowe's on the downside of his career at this point. So that's part of the reason too. But you know, a good move by Julian Breezeball. Not that you wanted to get rid of J T. Miller, but he was one of the ones with a mid-range cap number at just over $5 million. And he did not have a no-move-or-no-trade clause like some of the players like Tyler Johnson and Andre Palat and others have at this point. So That's right. No, it's, it's, uh, it was a good deal, I thought, for probably both teams right now,
1: but um, that, that was necessary. So let's talk about the, what was really happening while we were gone. And, of course, uh, that story will pick up even more so today when the Tampa Bay Rays and their, their ownership, Stuart Sternberg, and some of the, I, I suppose he'll be the one talking about this, uh, maybe exclusively. I don't know who else will be involved. Um, but this idea that was uh, that broke while we were away about the Rays' uh, possible plan, desire perhaps to at least explore playing half their games in Montreal. The way this was positioned by the Rays, and again, they'll have their say, their full say today. And I think people need to wait and sort of listen to to just what. Their thoughts are, uh, although this this would this idea would appear to be dead on arrival, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but to you know to, to try to play other half their games in, in Montreal, um, it was it was stunning. It was clumsy the way it was rolled out. You know I think uh, it kind of broke maybe through Major League Baseball sources more than the Rays, mm-hmm. and you know that's because the baseball gave sort of their permission at least to explore this idea of playing in two cities and that that was the way it was sort of positioned that uh, the first part of the season first half of the season perhaps would be played in Tampa Bay and then the team would then move to Montreal and that leaves just all kinds of questions not the least of which is are you building a new stadium and if so what how how in the world would this make this even uh, more appetizing to anyone in Tampa Bay to want to build the Rays a stadium if they're only going to be here half the season. And what about Montreal? If you can't build one, would you need to build two? And and I think you know we we've talked about this during the the whole you know stadium debates, and we've we've you know chronicled, obviously discussed uh, their you know desire to move to Tampa and the the three years they had during those negotiations, and that broke down and the plan in Ybor City and all those things. But one thing we've said, Steve, uh, consistently is is that, you know, in the stadium business, you need leverage, right? Um, I've always found that to be the case. I mean, it's how, frankly, how, you know, Tampa Bay helped build stadiums throughout Major League Baseball. In, in you know, the new Comiskey Park uh, in Chicago, for example, the Giants Stadium, the Minnesota Twins. There were a lot of teams, Seattle, involved with flirtations after – you know the Tropicana Field uh or at that time the Thunderdome was built in St. Petersburg back in 1995 i think it was and, and you know housed uh, multi-sports including the lightning and others but it sat there as leverage and it, it was leverage for the bucks when the city of Baltimore uh, decided and uh, approved financing to to build a stadium in that city in hopes of you know returning an NFL team there and that was Quite frankly, the Glazers leveraged that they would move to Baltimore. Now it turned out Art Modell beat them to it, uh, and that's that's another story. But it was all part of the of the stadium game, and and I don't know how serious they are. We'll find out more about Sternberg. I mean, it's been positioned that this is a way uh, to continue to 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 try to make it viable here in the Tampa Bay market. But there's so many things wrong with this, Steve. That that I think, you know. It 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 goes as John Romano said, from collaborative to combative. You know what I mean. And and you know it's it's almost it's almost like there's two things you take away from this. And and you know John John mentioned this too. But I mean, one is that you know they're they're willing to move. I think the biggest one. Let's just leave it at one. The biggest one thing is is that you have to take seriously that they're willing to move. They are looking uh and 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 planning to to not stay here unless they can find a solution. And um forgetting about where it might be and, and you know for the minute, Montreal certainly is a is a city that had baseball with the expos that would like to get it back there. And so, you know, there are other markets, I'm sure, other cities in this country, you know, Las Vegas, Charlotte, Nashville, whatever, um, that would probably want to be in the baseball game too, if they could be. Um, but I think you have to at least take for a moment seriously that um, that they've they've kind of reached wits end here and, and, and are looking for a way out or for a way to make this work that's that's non-conventional. And so, um, you know, it's uh, it's shocking. It's I don't think I don't think it could work. Uh, playing half a season in, in another city. You know, there was a time when the Expos were going to move. They played some of their games in Puerto Rico. Um, It was a prelude to relocation. So I I think, you know, we all deserve to give uh, Sternberg a chance to explain this and the thinking behind it and just exactly what his intentions are. Um, But
2: a two-stadium solution, Steve, I I don't think is is really viable. Well, my first question, and and I don't know if we'll get the answer to this tomorrow or, or, you know, the full answer is – have the Rays decided that a full season of baseball can't work in this market? Or is this just looking at options? Has the decision been made by the organization that it cannot work here for 81 games? And I, I don't know if they, they have an answer to that. They may not have that answer yet. But, you know, as you said, stadium debates are all about leverage. Mm-hmm. This is a way for them to get leverage. Now, whether it's a serious proposal that they're thinking of and and they may not have all the details yet as you know if they've just got permission to explore this at this point how far down the road are they with anyone and and what's Montreal willing to do for a half season compared to a full season etc but i guess my biggest thing is is what do the rays think of this market and i don't think they're going to tell us today but That's where, you know, my first thought is, is do do they believe it cannot work here? Or is this just, we're looking at all options, which is what they should be doing. This is an option most people never thought of or wouldn't consider because it is pretty far outside the box. But is this, is this just exploring or are they already down the road where they don't think it can work here?
1: Well, I, I I don't know. They're definitely down the road. And I think, you know, it's been 14 years since he's owned the team. I think, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this is really him saying he's he's not above moving the team. I mean, I think this is the first evidence that you know, you, you know, and in some ways, as, as John Romano wrote, you know, you can't you really can't blame Sternberg. I mean, we've seen them being a disappointment in this market in terms of attendance. It doesn't seem to matter if they win or they lose. Um, they've they've tried every imaginable way to be creative, uh, and against an American League East that outspends them three to one sometimes. Uh, to stay competitive and they've done that um, but the, there just hasn't been any anyone to step up in any any way to really kind of help save them but you know by the same token I mean Sternberg has been very coy and non-committal about what he is willing to um, invest in a new stadium what he is willing to um, deliver uh, certainly he wants you know the community the politicians and everybody to step up and come up in the business community come up um, with a way to, to you know to finance the stadium, um, but you know it's it's one of those deals where I think that if you're if you're somebody in Tampa Bay that cares about baseball, um, whether you're Rick Kreisman or whoever it is, um, I think at this point you have to understand that this team is is willing to go. So you know that that being the, that being the case you know you you got to kind of say that look they're under they're under a contract they're under a lease agreement that could keep that could keep the rays in st petersburg
2: and handcuff
1: them there for another
2: more than 8 seasons well it does and, and rick yeah. Kreisman so, said that he was approached about this a few weeks ago and said absolutely yeah. not and baseball so, I mean, and, and the rays knew this before right, but the if you're, word got out but if you're if you're
1: tampa bay or st petersburg in particular that's your leverage right like, you can make this mm-hmm. as uncomfortable as possible. Mm-hmm. And, and what would be worse for Stuart Sternberg in the Rays than to be told, sorry, you're here for another eight-plus seasons. We don't care where you go after that. You know, that, that's not what Stuart Sternberg wants, clearly. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to spend another eight seasons at Tropicana Field with nobody coming to his games and, you know, and, and owning what, you know, um, at that point. What, what are his options? Do you keep trying to field competitive teams? Like, what do you do? If you can't get out of that lease, it's not, none of this matters. So they're not, they're not likely to let them out of it. So that's the, city, that's the city's leverage or Tampa Bay's leverage. What this really is is I think the first acknowledgement that you will lose this baseball team, that, yes, they're, they're willing to, loo- to leave. Um, they're trying to sell something that would help them in that direction uh, if they could convince Christman or the city council to be, you know, tempted. I don't think there's any way that they will be. I don't think there's any way that they go for this. Um, but, you know, it, it they'll have their say today. They'll, you know, Stuart Sternberg can can talk all he wants to about what he still thinks about the viability of baseball in Tampa Bay, whether he thinks it can work in St. Pete, um, whether it's, you know, Tampa or nothing. I mean, whatever he wants to say, he's going to get lots of opportunity to do this because, um, you know, it it just – it seems as if this was done for the main reason of trying to gain an upper hand. I mean, the mm-hmm. Rays were nowhere in these talks, right? I mean, they're, they're basically, they've, they've, you know, they, had the, they got the agreement to go talk to Hillsborough for three years. They, they did a stadium site. They found a, an area in, in Ybor City. They thought it would work. They did all these drawings. They, you know, organized. Uh, there was a, you know, a business community that organized trying to think of ways, to, and, and it went nowhere. Okay, went absolutely nowhere because there's not an appetite in the general public sometimes for using, you know, tax Mm -hmm. money and, and, you know, government funds for this sort of thing when you have so many other needs. Um, So, I mean, obviously, the Rays needed they needed some leverage. And we Mm -hmm. talked about this. I mean, this is this is the way you get your deals done. You have to have at least a willingness to go somewhere else and preferably. Preferably a landing spot. I mean, if you mm-hmm. can find a city like Montreal or any place else, now the whole idea of playing half the season here and all that, I mean, I just, you know, that that's silly to me in some ways.
2: It, it definitely logistically becomes an issue, um, and particularly when you're splitting it with Canada as well. Yeah. So, you know, now you've got, you know, especially you've got, you know, now you're living in two different places, two different countries even. To make right. this work. Imagine what,
1: what the players'
2: association
1: feels about that, right? You're a player for the Rays, and you got to have two mm-hmm. residences. Who's paying for that? Where does my Where does my family live?
2: Well, I'm assuming at, at that point, you know, for the for the players' association to agree to it, you're going to have a lot of concessions. Of, you know, you're going to get extra stipends at the time you're in Montreal or in Tampa, whichever one, or you know, you know, per diems or w- whatever it is. You know, right that That can be worked out. Well, um, but but from
1: a from a free agent standpoint, if I you know, if I have a family, they can mm-hmm. only go to school in one city. That's right? true. So that's true. Um, you know, at least at least for August through June, they're gonna have to live someplace and, mm-hmm. and, and I play on the road half the time anyway, but then if I'm playing half my games in Montreal after June you know, thirtieth or whatever, yep. um, you know, maybe my kids are out of school and they can join me in a temporary residence, but it just seems so clunky until then they're going back to school in September, but I'm still in Montreal till October. I mean, this you know, it's it's not very tenable for, for families and for professional mm-hmm. athletes who already spend a good amount of time and sacrifice time away from their family. Yeah. So, I, you know, there's a
2: lot of logistic issues, obviously. The the thing, I took away the two things, was one, have the Rays determined that baseball can't work in this market? And I, I, I don't believe they have that answer yet. Because right. I, I still believe it works in this market, but the stadium's in absolutely the wrong location. And and if, if their desire is to build another stadium in St. Pete or renovate Al Lang mm-hmm. to do a half season, I still don't think it works in this market. Right. Because it's the businesses that aren't there. And we've talked about baseball, all sports need businesses support. Sure. I mean, that's what the whole ebor City thing was about, was trying to get the businesses about. Now, the other part of this is, and we can go back to the, the the three years with Hillsborough County. It never felt like there was a sense of urgency from anyone in that no. search, including the Rays. No. Now, and that's the public perception. I, I, I can't tell you exactly what went on behind the scenes because I don't know. But publicly, it never felt like they were they had any sense of urgency to get that deal done. It, just, and, it, it took them two years before they unveiled the plans out of the three year window, and it was just it was just slow it just never felt like there was for the first time it feels like the rays have a sense of urgency now
1: well and i think sternberg acknowledged after that uh, deadline passed Mm -hmm. that he probably should have been more assertive during that time that he didn't feel like he you know pressed hard enough to try to make to get that bring it to a conclusion um but part of that a lot of it's on him too uh, Mm -hmm. from this standpoint i think uh steve is that you know, he hasn't really been very forthcoming about his commitment, you know, mm-hmm. not, not just I mean, he has said consistently he thinks that baseball will work, can work, should work in Tampa Bay. He doesn't want to leave, likes the market, blah, 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 certainly has an issue with the location of the stadium. And of course, it's antiquated and all those things. Wants a new deal closer to Tampa, Hillsborough County, uh, all those things he's he's talked about. Um, but he hasn't really said and oh, by the way, I'm in it for half the cost. You know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. There has, there's been this moving sort of commitment target financially from his standpoint. So, I mean, I think, I think the area, the city, um, before they enter any no, real meaning, meaningful negotiations, it, have got to find out exactly what you're saying. One, do you still want to be here? Because if you don't, you know, hey, uh, enjoy your next eight-plus seasons at the Trop and we'll see you later. Because that's their leverage. You know, we want you here, but you're going to you're gonna have to be committed, too. You know, and what is your level of commitment? And how do you how do you demonstrate that? Well, you demonstrate that with a financial commitment. And yes, they have they have, you know, done things to the chop and try to make it viable, and they have spent money on players before and other years they've spent less, but they've put a, a competitive team on the field, and to some extent that's that's their loan sort of responsibility is to field a competitive team. I think they've done that more often than not with Sternberg as the owner. So in many ways, he's lived up to that end of it. But if you're talking about a new stadium, I mean, I, I can't see, you know, hey, let's renovate or build a, a you know, a small, you know, stadium uh, where on the Al-Ang site and, you know, we'll play, you know, 40-something games there. I mean, that to me is not a solution. Um, maybe it wouldn't require as many seats. And but quite frankly, I can't imagine uh, – the fans of that ball club getting behind anything where you would, you know, you, you would basically be losing them, um, you know, at, on, at the end of June, beginning of July for this, after the all-star break. And then what happens if they make the playoffs? Where, where's their home games going to be? I mean, it, it, there's so many, you know, unanswered questions and it just seems like a weird plan to begin with. But I do think that it does signal this, the first step um, out of town. If they can't get this resolved and get, get it resolved rather quickly. And, and, to that point you know it had to happen i mean i, I i've been saying this that like you know the best deal you get is on the is on the day of the deadline you know and mm-hmm. i still go back you know and, and it was a different time in a different era and it's probably not even feasible today um but but i tell anybody that the glazers were gone they were out of here they were not they weren't from here um they they they're from rochester new york um, they were willing to move this team. They thought it could work in Tampa, but they did not have a stadium deal, and they weren't going to complete playing, uh, keep playing at the old Sombrero. And Baltimore was their leverage. And I will never forget the day um, that Art Modell shocked people. Imagine moving the Cleveland Browns for goodness sakes to Baltimore, uh, and then of course Cleveland, you know, got an expansion team after that. After then, and then what happened when Modell left? He'd been trying to get a stadium there for years. They built the Indians one. Then when Modell pulls his team out of town, they build a new stadium, and the NFL puts an expansion team back in Cleveland. So, you know, the, the stadium game is just played that way. And, and it, if it wasn't for Rich McKay, who I don't think still gets enough credit for his contacts within the political realm and understanding the politics of Hillsborough County, to, to get Hillsborough County to attach a stadium, sale, uh, stadium uh, revenue money uh, to build the stadium on a half-cent sales tax – that also funded police, firemen, and schools. I mean, you know, they, they bundled those things, right? Who's against firemen? Who's against police? Who's against the schools? They actually got that attached to a referendum, and it passed by less than 5% on a day after Tony Dungy made his debut and lost like 34-3 to to the Green Bay Packers. So this was a nervous, nervous time, and it, it passed, you know, again, by the smallest margins. I, I just think that we're going to go through this uh, similar experience now and we'll, we'll hear what Stewart has to say. We'll see what the, the city and the counties and, and, for that matter, Tampa Bay's response to what, what Sternberg's plan is. If they try to continue to push this idea of two stadiums, I, I, again, I think it's dead on arrival. I think, you know, the mayor, Rick Kreisman has already spoke to that and said that that's, that is not happening. Um, and, uh, you know, so that that will be a non-starter. But they can pitch it if they want to. And I think, you know, I think we all have to listen to their ideas and, and to your point, Steve. I think the biggest question is, do the Rays still want to be in Tampa Bay,
0: or is this um, the, the first? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
1: We know now they will leave. We know that that's certainly uh, something that they're they're willing to do. Um, but but how committed are they to to remaining in Tampa Bay? And, and I think that's what people want to hear from from Stuart Sternberg. Okay, so on the field, it hasn't gone so well of late. I don't think there's any relation to it because they were well into this road trip when it happened. Um, but uh, it's the June swoon, you know, and and it's, it's inevitable. I think every. Baseball team goes through these periods, you know, and, and for, for the Rays, it was a combination of some some blow-up and some blown saves by Diego Castillo, who, Ooh. by the way, after blowing a couple of those saves, uh, suddenly came up with shoulder injuries. Yeah, you think he might have got IL sent
2: now. down to AAA and, oh, my arm hurts. I'm going to stay yeah, on the big man. league roster and get paid for service Boy,
1: time. Boy, you hate to think that. I mean, you, you really don't want to think that a professional athlete uh, would think of the, the, the ramifications or the finances of that, but it looked like he may have been headed that way. Um, then again, they don't have a whole lot of options in the back end of the bullpen to, to begin with. Yeah. I mean, you know, this whole thing with Jose Alvarado, um, you know, leaving for as long as he did to go home to Venezuela for personal reasons. He's done this at other stops in his career. Um, uh, and so you, you really don't know what was going on with that. And he wasn't pitching that well when he left. Um, but he should be back soon. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think offensively is where they kind of went into the doldrums, you know, especially in Yankee Stadium. They got shut down by the Yankees pitching for the most part and then got behind in every game. And Blake Snell, goodness gracious, he's on the mound today against Minnesota. That's, that's one of the or probably the worst outing maybe in his
2: career, a third of an inning and six runs. Yeah, you'd like to see him bounce back. And, you, you know, look, he's a reigning Cy Young Award winner. When he's had bad games in the past, he's come out a lot stronger the next game. So you're hoping that's what he can do against a very potent Minnesota lineup.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a tough, tough treading up there in Minnesota. And they've got, uh, you know, they got Charlie Morton on the mound against Jake Odorizzi the next day. So that game will take about an hour and 10 minutes. Um, those guys both throw strikes. so. Uh, you know, it's been a been a tough road trip for the race. They've uh, I think yesterday was the first time in nine ga- nine nine games that they mm-hmm. actually gained ground. In nine days, yeah, on the Yankees and mm-hmm. nine days on the Yankees and the Red Sox. And this is their their first day off was Monday in, in a long time, and yep. one of their only days off during this this interminable stretch of of consecutive games here going on.
2: Yeah, this is that stretch where they have what 34 games and 34 days and 47 and 48 leading into the All Star break, which will take place in two weeks. Uh, You know, so this is a, a, this is a grind. I mean, people don't, you know, I've traveled with a baseball team before and granted I'm just, you know, doing the broadcasting part of it and that, but you know, baseball is a grind, Mm -hmm. you know, unlike and all sports are, but you're playing pretty much every day. And when you get these long stretches of, you know, 20 days in a row of playing and you know, it's, it's, it's not the physical grind. It's the mental grind. It's, you know, and as the older I get, the more I appreciate vacations. And how you need a you need a mental break. From, you do from work from doing the same thing every day. Yeah, you know even even just your weekends or a day off a week. You know it it does a lot for you mentally and recharges you. Um, you know and then there's the physical aspect of you're halfway through the season now and, and all that stuff too. So there's that part, but the mental grind of it that you know you would like to see the bullpen be a lot better. And I think you know if nothing else, these this June swoon we've seen they need a lot of help in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. And you hope Jose Alvarado, when he gets back, will be part of that. Um, Chaz Rose pitched better of late, um, still not where he needs to be in this bullpen. Diego Castillo, obviously, having some issues. Um, so you know, I, I'm hoping that you'll see the Rays start making some moves sooner than later. I mean, you don't yeah. have to wait till the trade deadline to make a move. Mm-hmm. Um, they need bullpen help, and they need it. They need it fast, because yeah. you know when you keep blowing leads consistently. That wears on that wears on a staff and and a team. You know, you start you know you get late in games and you have no faith in your bullpen.
0: Yeah, as a team, that's it,
2: bad. That that's not good. That's not good for the psyche of a team. And, and it you know, I mean you know there are blown saves all the time, but you can't be blowing them consistently.
1: Right, and then you get a bad start, which they're they're counting on. You know, with mm-hmm. all the openers for Blake Snell and and you know to go deep into games, and then he blows up after a third of an inning so that Yankee series. You know, the Yankees, let's be honest, uh, they're not going away. They're getting guys back now. They make the trade for – that's the other thing that happened was they made a pretty big trade for yet another home run hitter. And, oh, by the way, he delivered right away. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, Edward Encarnacion so, um, yeah. to add to the lineup of Stanton, and now Judge is back. And, Judge
1: is back, yeah. Yeah, so, that's,
2: That that is a loaded team. That lineup uh, I, is – loading in their bullpen is locked down as well. Yeah, it, to be honest with you, I mean baseball.
1: You know, for as much as you can go back and look at, you know, people talk about football and how you know the Patriots have won all these Super Bowls, and it seems like it's not the same teams every year. The Patriots are the constant, of course, but there's been a lot of of different teams. You know, win World Series, compete for World Series, but more and more, I mean, I look at the Dodgers and the Yankees, and if those two teams aren't in the World Series, the Dodgers have been in the last two, I'd be stunned. I'd be absolutely stunned if you don't see the Dodgers and or the Yankees in the World Series. I mean, it just seems like they're that much better than everybody. But the Rays still have, as we do this podcast, like a two-and-a-half, I think, two-and-a-half, three-game lead or so uh,
2: in, uh, for the first wild card. Um, but there's a no, group the of Ra- teams behind them now that are closing in. It's, not just, it's not just like one team. It's, right. you, you got the, the Indians are, are playing better of late. The Red Sox, mm-hmm. the, Re- the Rangers. Red Sox, mm-hmm. I mean, you've got a yeah. group of teams trying to catch the Rays you know where I, it's why you know I think the rays need to start making a move particularly in the, in the bullpen sooner than later.
1: That, yeah, no that, I would agree that, with that.
2: You know, you can't keep having you know, now you're going to have what probably Emilio Pagan close games this week in Minnesota, but who's going to pitch in front of him to get you the ninth inning? Right. You know, that it's, no, it's kind of scary help. to look at right now.
1: Yeah, they definitely need help and and we'll see, you know, Minnesota's is had the best record in baseball for for quite a while and and they're still you know winning their division by a large stretch and i think uh, they're going to face some tough pitching and, and a good hitting ball club up there in minnesota so this will not be an easy series for them it's been a bad road trip so far after being swept by the yankees they take two out of four against the oakland a's and then now it's on to minnesota as they as they um, as they wrap that up and they come home to an uncertain future i know a lot of these guys this is the other thing like You know, for most of these players, we're talking it could be a number of years before anything happens with the Rays in terms of relocation or stuff like that, and I don't really necessarily think it's on their minds necessarily, but I thought it was interesting that Sternberg and and or, um, I guess, some of their front office folks did contact a few of the players, uh, got text messages in advance of this news breaking, which was interesting, Um, but it's just one more thing, right? It's just one more thing that you're human and you're reading about this, Mm -hmm. and Um, you know, it it does, it's
2: like what happens at the trade deadline every year is that players that are potentially going to be traded or talked about, it affects you. I mean, as much as you try not to, and you try to focus on just the game, but you know, it it affects you, it affects your family, it affects your kids, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, am I going to have to move? Am I going to have to figure, you know, all this stuff out? They're human. I mean, and it, you know, as much as you try to block it out and, and some are, some can do it better than others, of course, but. You know, it does affect players and it's amazing how, you know, it doesn't matter the sport, NBA, NHL, baseball, after the trade deadline, a lot of times you'll see players that were struggling all of a sudden play better because there's a, a weight lifted off of them that right. they're not worried about that anymore. And in, in baseball this year too, don't forget that there's no more August trade. They, they got rid of that waiver trades in August. All trades have to be done by July 31st. Now you can't mm-hmm. go into August and clear waivers and then trade a player. That's, that's a, uh, Baseball did away with that this year, so that's going to be interesting how that affects the trade deadline too. Is you don't, you know, you you've got to make the moves before July thirty first. You can't carry it into August like you have in years past. All right. Yeah, all that. I'm
1: glad you mentioned uh, things weighing on players and how professional athletes are human, because uh, while I was away, um, Gerald McCoy made an appearance on uh, with Skip and and uh, who. Skip Bayless? You no, I mean, who, who, who? Gerald Oh who? Joe, Joe, Oh, Gerald, yeah, GMAC. Yeah, number 93. Well, the old number 93. Anyway, for the Buccaneers. Well, we're not supposed here's. to care about him anymore, right? Because he doesn't play here anymore, right? He's not He's not a Buccaneer player. Buccaneer fans don't want to hear about anything except Buccaneer players. So, um, you know, what the heck. I had six-hour time difference, had some time on my hands while I was waiting for everyone else to wake up uh, at 5 o'clock in the morning because we were jet-lagged out there in Hawaii. But, um, yeah, I got on the interweb, and I watched that – you know, I watched that uh, – sort of interview, if you will, with Gerald McCoy. And a couple of things. One, he was asked to do the show. He could have turned it down. And we know that that, that Gerald, you know, has some media savvy to him. I mean, he's not someone that's ever been shy of the camera, for God's sakes. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. As a journalist, I like guys that speak their mind when they eventually do and they say something as opposed to spitting out a bunch of meaningless cliches, which apparently fans prefer or some fans seem to. Um, but basically what he said I thought was was newsworthy and it, it's because it involved the Buccaneers and that is um, sort of the handling or the mishandling of, of his release which I still maintain was botched almost from the start uh, the Bucks sort of wanted to have it both ways they, they wanted to maintain the sort of you know, the appearance that Gerald McCoy had great value to them in an attempt to trade him and then, and then upon realizing that nobody would take on his salary because as soon as you pick up the phone or allow his agent to pick up the phone and, and ask about a possible trade, everybody realizes that, you know, you're not going to pay that contract, so why not wait until he becomes a free agent? And that's exactly what happened. Um, but well, one of the revelations that I thought was new- newsworthy because if I'm a free agent, and and I don't mean Ndamukong Sue, who, you know, apparently, I don't know how many teams contacted him, but, you know, at this point in his career, we've talked about it, and he's, you know, give me a check, I will play for you type guy. Um, I, I think that it, it affects, you know, how you, how you treat your players, you know, send signals to your, to your guys on your current team that could become free agents that are deciding whether to re-sign deals with you or, or to move on someplace else. Um, and, you know, the idea that the Buccaneer coaches um, or Jason Light for that in particular would not pick up a phone and call Gerald McCoy directly at some point. I know he was talking to his agent, Ben and A lot of times it's better to involve the agent than the player. Um, but we know the rhetoric that came from Bruce Arians, who who really, you know, aside from walking in the building and, and Gerald being there working out that day and shaking hands with him, had no interaction with Gerald McCoy. He's never coached McCoy. He doesn't know really what his value to the team was beyond what he sees on tape. And if he didn't like what was on tape, that's fine. That happens. This is pro football. Nobody's crying, least of all Gerald McCoy, about the fact that the Bucs wanted to move on. That's hap- that happens every day. And it, it did happen to greater players than Gerald McCoy with this very organization. Derek Brooks, Warren Sapp, John Lynch, we can name them. they all were given, you know, a copy of the home game and told, you know, your services are no longer needed here. Go someplace else or or don't play at all. And you know, two of those guys are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So even McCoy realizes that that is professional sports. Um, And so I don't think he has a problem with that per se, that that the, the team had decided at some point that he wasn't worth $13 million. And that was the contract, by the way, that they signed him to. No one put a gun to their heads. They signed him to this contract. Yeah, it wasn't guaranteed. So both sides knew that there might be a decision to be made after last season. Um, and I think Gerald reflected that in sort of his demeanor after the last game that they played in 2018. But but this notion that you know you wouldn't pick up the phone and call the guy and and be forth forthright at least with him uh, as a new coaching staff. I mean even coming in, I mean just the very idea that maybe you'd want to get to know the guy a little bit. Maybe you you know aside if you didn't like what you saw on tape, maybe be forthright in saying, hey look we you know we don't think we want you to play for 13 million. Um, You know, my understanding is that there was never really a a meaningful discussion about how much less money they were willing to give Gerald McCoy. Um, You know, there can be some debate about that. He wasn't clear in the interview whether or not he was offered to take less money to remain here. But I do know this, that if you're a player who spent nine seasons in one organization and they have not really, let's be honest, they haven't put a great team around Gerald McCoy. I know everybody thinks that number 93 is the reason why they lost you know, for the last 11 years, but he was only on the team nine of those. And so, you know, nobody on his defensive line ever made a Pro Bowl while he was here. And, 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 you know, they've had five coaches and, you know, eight defensive coordinators and 15 or so defensive line coaches. And so all that impacts you as a professional athlete. So if you came to me and said, hey, um, we're not going to honor the contract we signed you to what would you take less money thereby becoming a free agent? Well, if I'm going to be a free agent, I'm going to look at everything. I'm going to look at all teams. Why would, you know, unless I just want to finish my career here for some nostalgic reason, my family, that's that's certainly a consideration. But, you know, Gerald McCoy gave them nine seasons. Maybe he, you know, he didn't feel the love or felt like Arians was very committed to him. Um, maybe he didn't feel like he was a great fit for the defense. I mean, hell, they didn't have a chance to talk to the man. He, he talked to Todd Bowles one time, again, another, you know, sort of, uh, meaning in in at in, in one buck place, but there was never any like, you know here's here's how we think you will fit. Here's what we've done with players like you in the past that moved to a three four. So what is McCoy supposed to do? You know, there's there's this there's this feeling that people think that, you know, well, he went to Carolina to spite the bucks. You know what? Maybe he did, but if if I'm a free agent, what am I supposed to consider the team that released me first before I make my decision about where to play? I mean, is the NFC South off limits because that would be too personal? I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, you're gonna go where you get the best opportunity for your family. It's an it's an hour and a half away or an hour away by by airplane. It's in the NFC South of the division he's familiar with. Maybe he thinks they can win. Maybe he thinks Cam Newton, um, who's been in the playoffs for the last six years, who went to a Super Bowl uh, three or four years ago, maybe he believes in that team and Ron Rivera more than he does Cleveland the Cleveland Browns or even the Baltimore Ravens or what other other opportunities that he had. So you know, this was not done despite anybody, but I think I think the news that the Bucks did not call him, that he didn't speak to people in the coaching staff or, more importantly, the front office during this period personally, is disrespectful to him. Um, you can agree with it or not, but these guys are human beings. You know, he did everything right off the field, for God's sakes. Uh, he carried himself well. He could have said a lot of things during those nine years where they were losing. And I thought for the most part, you know, he was pretty forthright about Uh, being loyal to to this organization. So, you know, for the guy to come out and and reveal this, I think it's newsworthy. And I think it will impact Levante David. I think it's going to impact other free agents when they get to to become free agents. If you're Mike Evans um, and you're sitting back and you're watching this, you know, he just signed a new deal, right? But he's got to know that that first year's not guaranteed. Well, guess what? Um, You know, if if you're a guy that's going to be up for a new deal soon you have to you have to think about you're watching all this so you know i'm gonna comment on it and i i am on record because i i don't believe it was handled very well i thought gerald's you know appearance while you know some buck fans obviously thought it was whining and crying he was just to me he was being honest he was revealing something we didn't know and i don't think it reflects well on the bucks necessarily but they have moved on, and and Suh is their defensive tackle, and we are going to be talking and writing exclusively about 2019 in a very short time when they start training camp on, what, July 25th? Yeah, a, week, um, a month but, from today. Yeah, we're one month. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, because we know what a grind. This is 11 month. It's an 11-and-a-half-month deal uh, the NFL is with the draft and the free agency and all those things, OTAs and training camps and stuff. So, you know, this is – we're going to be moving forward very quickly here. Uh, and, and, you know, so, by the way, four days after their opener against the San Francisco 49ers at Raymond James, they will be in Carolina for a Thursday night game. Are we not going to talk about Gerald McCoy then? I just want to make sure that some of the trolls and people on Twitter uh, are okay with the notion uh, that maybe that week, at least, Gerald McCoy might be in the news, okay, because I think he's going to look forward to playing his former team. And I think Sue will look forward to, uh, being on the Bucks' defense during that particular game as well and seeing what he can do against Cam Newton. So there's a lot of storylines, and that's that's what makes the NFL, you know, so exciting and, and the fans so interested in it is because they can't get enough of this in the offseason. So we're going to give it to him, Whether you guys like it or not, I, I am not a personal friend of Gerald McCoy's. He has not had dinner with me. I don't go over to his house and, you know, uh bring birthday presents to his kids or anything like that i mean this, this some of these people i'll just say this that and i'll end on this is that it's interesting to me that people turn this into a you know personal attacks when really there's no need for that i mean i had some nice block parties while i was away um <laughs> because some of some of these guys or girls or whoever they are because they're faceless and nameless of course on twitter um and some of them i messaged directly I just don't understand. You know, this is a job that I do and have done for more than 20-something years. And so, you know, to, to, to take it personal, I, I'm, all, I'm also uh, – I, I lied. I'll end on this. I'm also amazed how one player, one player out of 22 on the field and hundreds and hundreds over the last 11 years, if not 1,000, um, gets the blame or shoulders so much of this criticism when no one points the finger at the ownership. You know, they're the ones that hired these coaches. They're the ones that have fired these coaches, and they're the constant for 11 seasons of no playoffs. Mm -hmm. Zero. Okay? And you still have, you know, plenty of people over there that have been associated with many, many of these losing seasons. But but it's always, you know, it's always the player who who sort of bears the brunt of this, but people give a hall pass to the organization. I've never quite understood that. But... That's it. I'm off my soapbox. and I just wanted to, you know, people to hear it since they were having a lot of fun on Twitter and going back and forth. But uh, I don't have any Joe McCoy stories planned <laughs> until maybe the first week of the regular season uh, after they play San Francisco. We'll see what happens after that. But that was also interesting on vacation. Okay, the final thing, uh, Steve. Did you catch any of this women's World Cup game against Spain?
2: I did. And the U.S. has been dominating in the group stage. They outscored their opponents like 19 nothing in the group stage of the tournament and then they're playing Spain who they are significantly uh, more better than at least talent wise and rankings wise and boy mm-hmm. did they struggle.
1: They did struggle although I give Spain some credit. I mean uh, I thought Spain got away with a, uh, a number of penalties. They could have mm-hmm. blown the whistle and thrown a lot more yellow cards up. Uh, they were more they were physical. They beat up uh Morgan, <laughs> I mean she she took some. She took some blows. Um, yeah, they
2: definitely had a good game plan. It was very physical, and and they took a lot. Of, they they gave the U.S. a lot of ground, and then counter punched, and or they you did know, counter strike, and that was that was mm-hmm. their game plan. And you know the U.S. had scored a penalty kick goal, Megan Rapino early in the game. and two minutes later, Spain comes back and ties it, which I thought was mm-hmm. you know key for them to stay Absolutely. in the game and keep the pressure on the U.S. And ends up the U.S. gets two penalty kick goals to to win two to one, which was kind of a surprising outlook.
1: It was. They, they had some adversity, though, and that's always good when you can prevail with that. But what do you think of the second uh, PK call? Did you, did you think there was a lot of contact there? Or?
2: I didn't think there was a lot of contact, but, you know, look, if that was in midfield in the middle of a game, studs up, and go, you right? hit the leg, they're going to call that a penalty every time. Yeah, I mean, true. that's yeah. – you know, when your studs are that high in the air and you hit someone in the leg because you came in late, it's a penalty. Mm, I mean, mm-hmm. maybe it's a – you know, it's, then it's that whole thing of if it's a penalty in the first minute in the middle of the field – why isn't yeah. it a penalty in the 75th minute in, in the penalty box? Right. Or, you know, and we talk about that in hockey a lot of, you know, well, they're not going to call that, you know, in a playoff game. Well, if they call it all season, why not?
1: Right. And Megan Rapinoe, she was not going to take the second kick at first, and then they had her, an instant replay review, and I guess the coaches decided now she's their best PK person. Well, so. I wonder
2: if that was a little gamesmanship too, and and, and J.P. Dela Camera and Allie Wagner talked about on the broadcast of – You know, so you're waiting for the delay. Alex Morgan's going to take the kick. You're going to VAR. Mm. So the goalie's thinking through Alex Morgan. Okay, where does she like to go? This, and then you switched it. (laughs) After that, you know, maybe that was some gamesmanship on the US, or maybe the coach just decided, no, Alex, you're not taking it. Megan's taking it. I, you know, I I haven't seen any of the post game comments if they talked about that at all. But right, um, you know, there's always some gamesmanship.
1: Yeah. Well, you. I mean, Alex Morgan didn't seem to have a big problem with it. She just said it was a coach's decision, and they went with the they went with the player that was mm-hmm. that that's the best at it. I mean, yep. Alex Morgan is not known as a great penalty kick player. Um, surprisingly, as good of a scorer as she is, but uh, well, I don't know King how many there, she gets
2: a chance to take. I mean, I think Megan takes many. a lot of them on the team.
1: Yeah, not many. But the you know, as far as I, th- I they gave her percentage. It wasn't wasn't exceeding, okay. exceedingly high. It wasn't like you said. She doesn't take as many. So there's there's that. But They went with the best player, and she scored. Mm -hmm. And and so they advance, and um, they get now in the quarterfinals. Against France. uh, Against France, which is the home team. That'll be quite an atmosphere, I would think, over there. It
2: will be. The game sold out and was sold out already, and and many thought the U.S. would be in that spot. So a lot of U.S. fans already have their tickets. It'll be interesting how the the fan base is, whether it's pro-USA or pro-France in that game. It'll be a lot of red, white, and blue in the stands. We know that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So, wow, uh, I felt like I'd been gone a long time, but after that, uh, I realized that uh, I have been gone a long time. That was a lot of stuff to uh, try to digest, and, of course, now we're sort of up to date. So, uh, tomorrow we'll bring you uh, what What, Sternberg has. We have to do this again tomorrow? We don't get on yeah, the vacation have, yet? No, man. It's every day. We will be going soon, though. Um, we'll have another vacation planned. I take a lot of vacation because I get yeah. a lot of vacation. But, yeah, we're going to go away. Next one will be shorter. We'll be at, Around the 4th of July, yeah, we'll be gone for a couple of days. A couple of days, yeah. Well, But we'll have plenty of shows for you during that time. And, and again, my thanks to Dave Wills and, uh, of course, Diana Niros and Clyde Christensen for, uh, for providing those. <laughs> that content while we were away i thought it was very good so sternberg will talk today at one o'clock we'll bring you what he has to say we'll discuss that on tomorrow's podcast we've got the rays at minnesota blake's Snell on the mound trying to avenge the, maybe the worst outing of his career the last time out at yankee stadium so we'll have plenty for wednesday's show as well and remember folks i know you got a lot of choices when it comes to air conditioning companies this time of year you do not want to have your air conditioner go on to blink and so Do yourselves a favor. Call Howard and Sue Million at Millionaire. They've been doing this a long time in the Tampa Bay area. Right now you get 0% interest for 72 months on their qualifying equipment. So give these folks a call whether you need service or maintenance at 727-862-2100. Do that today. Trust the masters of comfort. Millionaire. Okay. For a no longer vacationing Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.